Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the question and answer session that followed my talk about the end game in Division 2. We did get to play it in the campaign, I'm sorry, the private beta, and I gave my thoughts on it, my thoughts on the presence of abilities and signature weapons being to be far more pronounced and hoping they make some changes or patches to how you get signature ammo, but as well, hoping we have a little bit more control on the frequency and power of our abilities in the end game. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Come on in, I'm probably live right now. Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, a like and a share is a really easy way to support the stream, as well as subscribing to the channel. Let's jump into the very, very first question here from Fructor. I played Division 1, but I did not like the Dark Zone. How much different do you think the end game will be and if the game will be include a PvP element? Everything I've been told is that the Dark Zone has been vastly improved for the things that people didn't like about it. I'm not a huge fan of PvP, but there people are saying it's really really good. It's a lot better. It's more enjoyable. You know, you're not going to be able to have like griefing and trolling going on. And I hope that that's true and that's accurate. Cuz I do know they usually have the dark zone woven into the end game and the grind. It's got its own currency, it's got its own rank, it's got its own stuff, and I'm fairly certain that's going to continue in this game. Uh the, the I think when the open beta happens at the beginning of March, I'm going to make sure to go in and test out the the DZ cuz I didn't get a chance to this time. So I know that that was something that they really wanted to improve because the Dark Zone in Division 1 was an absolute headache of broken builds and griefing and it just never, it never was leaving a good taste in folks' mouth ever. As far as I know, even during 1.8, I always felt like people were kind of complaining about full teams that just griefed as soon as you came in and that just wasn't fun. Uh, Lord Drax, do you think the Division 2 will have super powerful unique weapons tied to very difficult challenges? What do you think about being part of the game like Division, if it's going to be a thing? I don't know if they're going to have like challenges or, or say, hey, you know, this guy you have to use the crossbow on, or this guy you need to hit with the grenade launcher. I think there'll be times where very clear strategies will emerge you know certain enemies maybe you're going to want to hit them with the grenade launcher first blow the armor off and then you know hit them with a sniper or a crossbow once they're more susceptible i mean i'm sure there'll be there'll be elements of strategy that come like that but i don't know if it's going to be so specific that doesn't seem like something they would do you have to use a sniper you have to use this that that doesn't seem a, like a theme that they would lean into Lucky Logan lives, says, or lives, says, how would you address people going AFK in this game? I was match made with an AFK and could not pass the mission and couldn't do anything but back out. I think games could really, really start to implement a vote to kick for AFK. And if you, and if the vote passes, then the player is given a chance to respond like if someone steps away or you're just being a douche as long as they respond and say no I'm here you'd have to have like a sequence of buttons that would randomly ask them to push like can you hit can you hit up then down then X to confirm that you're still here so they couldn't have like a macro that that knew what to push in response to this and you'd have to put a cooldown on this and you'd only be able to do the vote if somebody was standing still like, if someone's moving around, you can't harass them with this vote, right? Like, vote to kick them, ha ha ha, and it keeps popping up in their face. If they're sitting still for, like, I don't know, five sec, like, probably, you'd want to make it be like a 10, 10 to 20 seconds or more, where they're just standing there. 
and if 20 to 30 seconds passes the option to vote to kick them for inactivity pops up and if they don't respond it kicks them out now it would need to be longer maybe than 20 or 30 seconds because again people could be douchey if they've been standing there for like I don't know a solid minute and not moving maybe then you could troll your friends obviously that's not that that's not as big of a deal but in a matchmaking environment you gotta move you can't get carried through the content I mean people were doing people were worried about that in Anthem and other games like people just getting carried and sitting in the back they're gonna have to have some sort of something like that in place the more these games become normalized that you can get loot and gear and experience by literally just matchmaking and hiding um so I don't know if anything like that's going to be in the game at launch though uh, Jacob what if instead of just you having the ability to regenerate your ammo what if the team plays off off the, what if the team plays of the same could net you ammo i.e. a survivalist can get crits to help sharpshooter oh, 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 oh yeah 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 I thought that's what you were saying so as long as somebody on the team does it that you know the ammo drops The only reason I'd be worried about this happening is with four people, I I feel like it had to be guaranteed for you if you do it. Like, if I'm the sniper and I get a crit kill, I should be getting, like, guaranteed ammo every so many kills. And then if it's the team doing it, there's a chance for it to drop. And then again, I still think those ammo boxes should be giving you the signature ammo at a really, really good, you know, every time. Um, again, I think this is important because the rhythm of the game, it just suits it. You go into an area and it's a contained fight. You know, it is a contained fight. It is a, there's a beginning and a middle and an end and then you beat it. There's always like a mini boss or some like, you know, tanky guys. And then there's a, there's an ammo box and you would get your ammo bag. So... Uh, Sariva says, do you think the Division 2 will take people out from Anthem? No, I don't think so. I think people will play both games. I don't think there's going to be anybody that's like playing Anthem and then decides they are only going to play Division. Now, there could be people, there there could be people that say, hey, uh, I wasn't really a big fan of Anthem. It was kind of filler content for me, and now I'm glad that Division is coming out. But I think the lion's share of people that are looking forward to Division, if they're enjoying Anthem, are not just going to drop that game like it's, oh, I'm done. In general, I just don't think gamers work that way. I think gamers like to rotate games, play, and they'll, they'll, they'll do everything they possibly can in Anthem, get a little bit burned out, and then they'll do the same thing in Division. They kind of bounce back and forth. I think the the amount of people that will just drop Anthem like a bad habit and pick up Division exclusively, I think that's going to be a minority. And again, that could be people that weren't even really a fan of Anthem to begin with. They were just looking for maybe something as filler to get them to Division. Jacob Geico. With Division 2 being a more uh, real-life, less sci-fi game, do you feel this limits the game to keep it its real-life feel? I mean... This this comeback sometimes I I, I don't want to be dismissive and you, I think you're posing the question so you're not necessarily asserting anything but a lot of the times people will be like well it's supposed to be more realistic you know so you're being more tactical and using your guns and I always have to kind of chuckle I'm like realistic really realistic this game you you truly mean that this game isn't trying to be realistic it looks realistic okay it's not realistic. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're dumping tons of fire and explosions and bullets into single targets. We can summon the most advanced technology out of nowhere that many of this technology that we summon doesn't even exist right now. So, I, I the, the it's realistic pushback just seems... It just seems kind of goofy to me, and it's not a justification for abilities being weak or not showing up all that often. Because think about it. I mean, you can summon a drone that heals you, and that was one of the most effective abilities, that one in the mine that healed you. Don't give me realistic as the excuse for certain abilities being really, really weak when the most effective abilities are complete fantasy. (laughs) Just complete fantasy. So... I think people I think people see the realistic graphics and they see the fact that you know you're using actual um, guns is is I think creating I think a false excuse for giving us abilities that are just kind of weak and, and chintzy and again you always are going to have to come back to the fact that the healing abilities are incredibly effective. The offensive abilities should be equally effective in what they're supposed to do, and they were not. So if I can use a healing ability which is passive or defensive, and I'm just constantly able to keep myself healthy with those things, they're very, very strong, I believe the offensive attack-oriented abilities should be the antithesis. They should be equally influential over what's going on. Jacob, uh, as of yet, we don't know about the heat sets and what strengths they may bring. Okay, Dog Dad Drew, as someone who fell off Division 1 before the endgame due to boredom with loot, what will keep me around in Division 2? My thought would be that what's what I think what is winsome about this game and what is fun is clearing the map, getting your base of operations up and running, unlocking all the abilities, getting your your three specialists all the way unlocked and leveled up. I think that's a lot of things to keep you invested. Now, the question remains, once you get to that point, is the grind, okay? Is the is the min max? Is that going to be enough then to satisfy you? That's a question that nobody really can answer except for you. You, I, I, I can't answer that for you, but I can definitely say, if you like a loot grind, if you like a loot grind and you like clearing maps, then I think this game, this game on the outset, just kind of looking at it at first, at first blush, I think this game has a ton for you to do, and probably I would even say, to me, it's well worth the sixty. Even if I find the end game and the min maxing to be something that I don't want to invest my time in, I still think I'm going to get a sixty dollar game out of this. Because all three specialists clearing the map and getting all the gear and looting all, and looting all the way up, I think is is going to be satisfying enough for me to feel like. I got I got 60 bucks worth of a game. Now, that's going to be even further value for people that really enjoy the end game. I anticipate the end game not landing on me all that well, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm hoping the investment in the specializations and in the loot and in the in the abilities, I hope that ends up being a really really fun time um, because I do enjoy I do enjoy division. I just don't want to feel I just don't want to feel chintzy and weak and hiding behind boxes all day. I can't stand that. 
Dragon Tat. Do you think Division would be better served if they weren't tied to Tom Clancy's realistic world? I mean, there's only so many different color beanie hats you can wear. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. A game is... Yeah, sci-fi games have an advantage here, I think, because armor can always be completely reinvented. The appearance of guns and things can always be totally 100% changed to make, you know, to be made to look look really really cool. And in the real world, you're right. Like there's only so many colors you can put on a t-shirt. There's only there's only so many variation variations in the world for shirts and pants <laughs> and armor and you know, and looking and looking tough. But I think that's okay. I don't, necessar- I don't necessarily think a game like this has to really worry about reinventing appearance and cosmetic draw you know, every time they launch a game or every time they launch a DLC. A game, I think, can be firmly planted in the real world and offer cool experiences and dope stuff. Really, I, I-, I think the-, the-, the cosmetic appeal of this game would be more in having abilities that are cool and make you feel strong and that when you level them up they're influential over your experience because for me that's the real that's the real draw in this game that's that's one of the draws of anthem even if anthem didn't have the heavy the, the heavy cosmetic investment systems the movement and the and the and the abilities are super appealing and i really do think division has a feel to it where if you're if you're if you're moving around and shooting and landing cool and, and and landing quick kills and taking down you know spongy enemies and using your abilities, I don't know. I feel like there's something satisfying about that, and I don't need to keep making my character or my my outfit look cool in this game in order to enjoy it. I think a game can own its identity in the real world, and that natural limitation on cosmetics is okay. Uh, Sariva says. Does the end game of Division 2 focus on gathering good loot to then go into PvP? That's one aspect of it. I mean, you don't have to do that. Uh, Suriva says, What catches more of your attention based on the information we have? Anthem's end game or Division 2's end game? I find... Oh, that's a good question. I find them appealing equally, but I think I find Anthem's uh, appeal a little bit more because I'm investing in abilities then I grow concerned about the min-maxing in division leading to marginal differences, because that's exactly what min-maxing is. Again, it scales, so that's my concern, is if my abilities are this effective in the endgame and the beta, and they're as ineffective and, and, and barely showing up as they were in the early game of the beta, then my concern is that's going to scale up the more we play and the more we advance, the more we min-max, you're going to be making marginal differences on marginal influence. Does that make sense? So if the turret is marginally influential or the the drone, the drone that drops the bombs, if it's influence over the game and over your success, it's like, it's barely even noticeable. And you're min-maxing to make it have more presence or more power. My thought would be you're putting, you're adding percentage points, like little teeny percentage points to something that already is a little percentage point. It's like saying, oh, we'll add 1% efficiency to your ability that's already registering at like a a half a percent. It's like, that's barely going to do anything. That's my concern about Division's Endgame. I like the idea of min-maxing and having a kit and having a build and playing a certain way, and I like that idea for Anthem as well. I feel like in Anthem, when you get a really, really good ability, though, and it's really, really strong, there's a clear 
there's a clear benefit in the game. You you feel a distinct difference in how strong that ability is. And in and in division, I, I felt like these abilities are so weak, even if you really even if you bumped them a significant amount, you're 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 adding a you're adding a buff to a small number. So Boroquin. Back in TTK, the endgame was living uh, was leveling from 300 to 320 in Trials and God Rolls. This is a super basic uh, endgame that worked. Do you think that a basic endgame that was accessible like that through an MMO-like game is what people need to aim for? Well, it depends on the game, though, because that's why like, I don't think like a min-maxing endgame would ever work in Destiny, because Destiny as a game has a very different identity. It's appealed to a very different audience. It has... Uh, it's just a very, very different style of game. It's not a... It's, it has to be accessible. At its core, it's a basic shooter with some abilities and some supers. Division, at its core, leads to min-maxing. So I don't think a, a simplistic... A simplistic endgame in Division would feel weird. It would feel like it didn't belong. It would feel like there wouldn't be a harmony there. That would be dissonant. It, oh wow what a what a grindy you know min maxing game oh man and then if the end game is like super simplistic then you end up with this it just would be dissonant it wouldn't make any sense it would like destiny it would be like destiny having a very very complex min maxing end game it would be like why are, why are we doing all this this game has never been this complex um so in both scenarios, having min-maxing in, in Destiny, as Harry's saying, it would be strange, but conversely, having a very simplistic endgame in Division would also be strange. They're, they're very, very different games. Uh, and I, I, I think that it's okay, again, just like it being a real-world game and the cosmetics being more realistic and not being this huge, vibrant driver, I think that's allowable because the game's owning its identity. So, we only have one more question. If you guys want to add some questions, this is going to be a real short one, that's fine, but if you want to add questions about Division, uh, it doesn't have to be about the end game. Uh, it could just be about Division in general. Harry says, what percent of the endgame should be in PvE to satisfy players that don't like the Dark Zone? In Division 1, endgame was pretty much all hit level 30 and then go play DZ until the endgame. Well, what you're saying is only true prior to 1.8. Once 1.8 came out, this is this is not true at all. You were doing world tiers, you were getting uh, the gear sets and increasing your gear score to go to the next world tier. It was the spiral staircase. So when they added the world tiers and the gear sets, that was more of a a more of a spiral staircase as opposed to what it was. You're right in the beginning. It was like, yeah, just go to the DZ. And then the DZ had its own the DZ had its own currency, its own rank, you know, its own stuff. And then you you know, you're kind of grinding that and doing that. So I don't I don't necessarily think that the contrast is as sharp now. Um, they also added classified gear sets as well, which had a small had a bonus perk on them. In 1.8, it was still a lot in the DZ uh, because it's the quickest way to get loot, and it had world tiers. Right, but again, Harry, they didn't they weren't funneling you to the DZ. It was an option. It was an option. I saw plenty of people, and I talked to plenty of people the day that I went in to try it out, and it, there was there was plenty of people that were not going into the DZ. They were running the events and they were doing the weekly things. There was like weekly and daily things they could run and do, you know, doing the world tiers, hunting for the, you know, hunting for the top tier gear. There were certain activities that were 
way more likely to give them to you. And yes, as you're saying, there may have been people that were like, I like the DZ or the DZ's more rewarding. Maybe they went there, but it was an option. So to your question, what percent of the end game should be in PVE? I think you've put the answer in chat. If you want to do DZ, it's potentially, not automatically, but it's potentially more rewarding. You can go in there and get a quicker turn of, of, of endgame loot. If you don't want to go in there, that's fine. You don't have to. So that, I, I think you put the answer in chat. As long as it's optional, then the percentage doesn't matter because you're just you're doing the same thing. You're pursuing endgame loot by running a content loop, right? You, if, you're, if you're doing a content loop that is more rewarding than mine well as long as we're both enjoying ourselves that's all that really matters you're like well i like the dz more and i'm like well i don't like it enough to put up with that now i might change my mind right maybe the new dz will be fun or something and i'll really really enjoy it but if i decide that no i'd rather just play pve then again as long as we're getting stuff and we're leveling up that's all that really matters similar to anthem right you can play any piece of content in anthem and in, and you would you get drops, and I think division is going to be very very similar. And there's going to be paths that are more rewarding. So in Anthem, if you don't feel like grinding out strongholds on Grandmaster one, two, and three, you could just grind out free play contracts and legendary contracts and gear up that way. Somebody would say, well, you're not going to level up or, or get gear as fast. And somebody might say, that's fine. I enjoy this content more than the strongholds. I don't like, uh, I don't like the strongholds. That's the beauty of world tiers. Yeah, like it's that's what's so great about both the division and anthem's approach is that if you don't feel like doing the DZ, if you don't feel like doing strongholds, if you don't feel like cranking the difficulty up, you don't have to. But the people that want to will see a tangible reward. So if you become a god in the dark zone, you should feel a a clear and measurable reward from that. That should be something that you know, I'm getting a benefit playing this way. I can look at that benefit as a player and say, is it worth it or not? And I can decide whether or not I want to go into the DZ. So. Jake of Geico, adding on to my earlier question, I meant Division 1 not having magic like stuff or aliens. I, you, you can't do this, Jake. You got to submit questions to Q and A. This isn't meant for to be like a point counterpoint place. I don't know what you're referring to. Your question, your if I scroll up to your question, that wasn't a question. It was with Division Two being a more real life, less sci-fi game. Do you feel this limits the game to keep it uh, its real life feel? So now, I, now I can come back down. Well, yeah, Division Two doesn't have magic and like and stuff and aliens. Yes, that limits it too, right? You get oh, I see what you're saying. I, now I'm tracking with you. Again, this is a rough way to do Q and A, homie. Um, you weren't mean. You weren't meaning cosmetics. You were meaning like the enemies and the encounters can get kind of boring and and kind of rhythmic. There's only so many weapons and things they can add, right? Because it's not. It's there's no aliens. There's no magic. Again, it's it, there's future tech though. So I disagree with the contention that because it's in the real world, the game is held back. You have drones that follow you, mines that follow you, drones that seek people, mines that seek people, turrets that automatically shoot people, right? There's t- there's so many things they could add as long as it's it's if it's in the future and there's future tech. There's tons of things they could add. 
they could literally do a shoulder mounted gun like the predator as your signature weapon and when you and when you you target a you know a really heavy boss with it it hits them and snares them and lights them on fire and you're like well why would you want to use that and you're like I don't know it's cool I could use it on a, a mob of enemies I could use it on you know a boss why not? It's future tech. It's future weaponry. I, I don't. I actually think it's not nearly as limited. Now, sure, they can't do zombies. They can't do aliens. But there's a lot of things they could even do. Then they could do. They could do uh, mech suits. They could do uh, vehicles. They could do all kind of things to make the combat different and more varied. I mean, goodness gracious! There's robotic dogs prancing around in this game and shooting at you. That is not. That is not real world stuff right there. Nova hands. Lono, do you think the realistic nature of Division's world detracts from a power fantasy compared to sci-fi universes like Destiny Anthem? I only think it does this if the abilities are weak and too infrequent. If I'm able to do some type of a grenade launcher or a seeker drone or something that goes boom boom, if I'm able to do that with a, on a regular basis, then no, I don't think it detracts from the power fantasy. I want to feel like I'm crafting like a Rambo, like it's like Rambo and Iron Man had a baby. That's what I want to feel like in the division. You're you're a soldier of of technology. Like that's what I that that marriage between Rambo and and Iron Man is is how I want to feel. And I feel like unfortunately, if the abilities and all those things are just too infrequent or not present enough, the problem is is that you end up just feeling like. I don't know. You feel like that corny '90s movie where they're just shooting endless an, an endless barrage of bullets instead of being like a uh, a tactical. That's the other thing that like I really want to push back on people sometimes that are like, well, it's supposed to be more about the tactical and the strategy and being more realistic. And it's like, really, like sitting in cover and shooting hundreds of bullets from cover like how is that tactical and strategic and realistic I think complementary abilities and strong abilities abilities that show up more often would be actually more about tactics and strategy and movement and less about what we're what we do and we don't have those things Jacob says sorry for the typo uh, as of yet we don't know anything about the gear sets and what they may bring and how much power they may bring to the abilities. Right, and that's why I said I'm hopeful that I could really create a really fun build that suits my playstyle. My, you know, my abilities are stronger and coming back more often. Maybe we really didn't get to see that on display in this in this endgame sample. Uh, Glory says, what do you think about the PvP compared to D1? The movement and how they have generalized to fit the people that don't PvP much, making it more playable for PvE players and watering it down for PvP. I mean, I didn't play the DZ, so I don't know if this is an accurate representation of how it played. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to do what you're saying. They're trying to make it more playable. Um, I, I'll, I'll have to wait and see what my own thoughts are on it. Jake breaks. In the Division 1, early endgame was broken when you could cheese endgame content, the incursions, by exiting the map, ruining all Dark Zone content early by letting people spend days getting powerful gear, weeks if not months before most others. Do you think Division 2 will suffer the same demise, game-breaking bugs? I mean, I sure hope not, because yeah, I mean, that was basically... That, that was a persistent problem. I mean, that, that's one of the things that I think just led to the, 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 the consistent struggle of the Dark Zone. It was birthed in the game at a time when it just did not... 
it the DZ just didn't feel good. People had broken builds. Um, so yeah, not only did they get access to the to like the really really strong stuff before everybody else because of the cheeses, but they also had like literal broken builds. So I would hope that that does not happen again. I don't see anything to tell me that that would happen again. I feel like they have been very transparent about the fact that they learned a lot from their first game. MDK Dragon. Sometimes it feels like enemies knew exactly what you were doing and where you were aiming even before you shot or threw anything. What are your thoughts about that part of the AI in Division 2? I think it's a significant uh, problem in gaming in general, and it's very, very obvious in Div 2. In Div 2, you... uh, There were numerous times where I would go to throw a grenade, and I didn't throw it yet, but the little marker was on the ground. And that marker on the ground made the enemies react. So I'm hiding in cover, I get out a grenade, and I'm kind of pivoting and moving to get that little, you know, arc that I'm going to throw it on. And the little little red dot would get close to the enemy. And as soon as the red dot got there, they would run away. Before I threw the grenade. This isn't like when the grenade lands next to them and like, oh no, grenade. That's why I usually throw a grenade and then pepper the enemy with bullets as like a distraction. It like it draws aggro, it makes them maybe return fire or it stuns them and then my grenade gets a ton of damage on them. So they were scattering often before I even threw the grenade. There were other times where I would throw the grenade and then they would do like a you know, in cartoons where they suddenly speed up the animation and they're running really fast, they would, like, run really fast to get away from the grenade. It was really, really silly. I call this Spidey Sense AI. It's it's the AI of the game, and it's a Spidey Sense. It's like they're Spider-Man. It's like they can tell, oh, he's about to do this, and they react before you do it. This was a problem in Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4. You would snipe in on somebody, scope in on somebody, and literally, as the scope got to their head, they would suddenly decide to move. Um, And it's frustrating, you know. I don't think it's a bug either. I think that's how the AI is designed. I think the AI is designed to basically respond to stimuli that they shouldn't respond to. 30 and Still Gaming talked about this on the podcast, and I was so glad that he brought it up. He was like, you'll be ADS'd at a guy waiting for him to pop back out, and he just won't. And that happened to me. I was just literally waiting for this girl up top, like, come on, pop back out, pop back out. And I'm aiming, 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 aiming. She literally just sat there. She literally just sat there and would not pop back out. Well, I mean, that's really frustrating. Do you really, really need the enemies to do that? Isn't it just supposed to, isn't the combat just supposed to kind of flow? Let her pop back out and let me shoot her. We don't need to do this. Oh, we're going for realism here. She's actually scared and she's going to hide there for a really long time. Oh, really? Well, that's convenient because as soon as I move away and don't aim at her, she pops back out. She suddenly is brave. You know, I don't know. I... I, I worry, I worry when that kind of AI is dialed in so, so much, because I think it's very, very boring um, to deal with that, and frustrating too, it just feels like you're getting cheated, it feels like you're playing, it literally feels like you're playing against a cheater when it happens. You should be part of the Kinda Funny Games team for Gamecast, and the Kinda Funny Games Daily, I don't even know what that is. 
uh, Sariva, how is Ubisoft guaranteeing the future of the game? New content, ETC, cosmetic micros. Uh, what are your thoughts? I don't know how they're paying for all of it. I mean, maybe they're hoping that the people that pay for the annual pass, all the content's free for the year. But the the way that it's subsidized, I don't know. I mean, you can pay for the annual pass, and then that means you get all that content like a week early. You know? I I don't know. I I don't know if that's enough to subsidize it. I, if, if, if enough players see that as a benefit, like 40 bucks, you know, to, to pay that, or, oh, I'll get it, you know. And then they're also going to have a vanity store. Now, they're being very, very tight-lipped about the vanity store because I think they know, look what happened to Anthem. You don't want this information getting out early. It, it can be very, very bad for your game. Uh, Dragon Tat says, with the cover-based combat, what mechanics do you think they could uh, add to avoid the same hide-and-shoot gameplay? You just, if the abilities are showing up rhythmically for you to destabilize the enemy, then I think that's all you need. As long as I can destabilize them. That's all I need to be able to do. So I can move, flank, and do different things. Now, I was doing that with the turret, and it was really fun, but thats I don't want to play that way every single time. Throw down a turret, draws aggro, run around the back. That, I mean, you don't want to do that every single time. You want to have abilities. I loved the um, I loved the sticky grenade launcher from Div 1. You'd, you'd, you'd aim it. You'd stick it to a guy. It would stick for a few seconds. Everybody would freak out. Boom. And it would, like, detonate, destabilize, and now you can shoot, move, reposition, whatever you want to do. That's why I say, even when you're in cover, there's options, right? There's moving in cover. There's changing to different cover. There's... There's, you know, hurtling over and going to another section. You have all these engagement choices just within the actual cover-based system itself. And even within that system, even within that system, you're doing a a very one-sided strategy of just hiding and sitting still. If the abilities were empowering you to feel like, okay, I'm going to cover... I'm going to run over here, I'm going to flank, I'm going to hop over this thing, and then I'm going to grab this cover. If it was empowering you to, to, to move more freely, then that's when I think you're in a good place. I don't even want the abilities to be insanely strong. I'm not saying turning in, turning into Anthem without the mech suits, where you're fighting the enemies the whole time without your guns. I'm saying if the, if the abilities were complementary to the point that it empowered me to move more and engage in a more in just an empowered way that's more exciting and that leads to less hiding but more intentional and intelligent use of cover there's a difference between me saying i don't want to hide in cover and saying i never want to be in cover i want to run around like rambo and just hold the button down I'm not, I'm not saying that I want to be John Rambo and I just stand and walk everywhere and shoot. I want to use the cover. I want to move around and use the cover-based mechanics as a means where I'm, you know, I'm feeling like a strategic agent of the division instead of some dude hiding behind a wall and laser tag too scared to move. Uh, a link, a link in the past. This may have been asked, but do you think we got a good look at all the weapons in the beta? Or do you think there are many more to come? I mean, I think the weapons is, systems is always going to be kind of um, it's going to be kind of li- limited because it's, re- it's it's the it's the real world. I mean, future future weapons could obviously enter the picture, but that's the problem. If you make too many strong or really awesome future weapons, nobody would use the basic stuff. You know, kind of funny games is the talk show and podcast from Greg Miller, Tim Gettys, 
and Andrea Renee. Sorry if those are random names to you. They stream their talk show here on Twitch. I, yeah, I don't know those names. They they all sound familiar for some reason. I probably could see their... If I saw their faces, maybe. Elucid. Um, I'm sorry, Elucid. The Division 2 is up against many mobility-oriented games like Destiny, Warframe, Anthem, Apex, Fortnite... Uh, save the world and so on. Do you think the core gameplay loop of low mobility cover shooting is a fresh take for a niche audience uh, or a ham a hamstring that cripples accessibility? Man, this is a really great question. Um, ah, th- this is kind of like the question of like, what about oh, it's real world? What about cosmetics? You know, what about you know, what about the you know, can we can we look cool? Can we not look cool? Um, Oh, it's affiliated with Rooster Teeth. Okay. I mean, that's why I feel like the abilities need to be ramped up. People are going to be like, man, oh man, Lona, would you stop talking about the abilities? But again, your question is really getting at the thing that if you're, if you, if it, if it doesn't feel like a fresh take on cover-based mobility, and it does feel like you're just constantly you know, snug, stuck to a wall like glue and hiding... But if you were more empowered to move around, especially because they've made the movement very good, like the hurtling and stuff, like running forward and hurtling over something and then grabbing, you know, grabbing cover feels really, really good. But a lot of the times you just, you're not going to do that because look, the enemy's doing it right now. They're all hiding and they're all taking peak shots. And so we're all, it's like the, the shootout at the OK Corral. Um, so I, I think that it, abilities empowering movement would be the biggest and strongest argument I can make for, you know, here's how you make the game feel like a fresh take on on a it's a fresh take on a third person, you know, cover based environment. Instead of I don't know, like I feel like they really could have made the game stand out against Division 1. I'm not saying make a whole new game. It still needs to appeal to the core audience, but people that were like I don't, I don't really... I don't really like Division 1. Well, no worries, man. Division 2 is so different. Like, look how often our abilities are showing up. Look how strong we are. Look at look at how fast the TTK is. It really comes down to, you know, tactics and strategy and intelligence and trying to, um, you know, maximize speed and, and everything else because, there's you know, there's drops. I don't know. To me, to me, I think there's so much strategy and intelligence and satisfaction that can come from decision making as opposed to dumping bullets into a target you know like as simple as it seems dropping a turret and flanking a team in this game feels good even today even after you know you played division one how much that still is satisfying today as opposed to just again just dumping bullets um into people so when you have a really good build, you can run around no problem. Right, but as I said, I think that I, I just think it can scale. At the low levels, at the low levels and the early levels, I think being empowered to kind of move around, again, not run around like John Rambo, but to feel like I'm doing this, it's empowering me to move, to flank, to push, and those movement choices are being rewarded with efficiency. That's something that I feel like takes you into a mindset of play style that then empowers those decisions that you want to make about the gear set you're going to chase. You know? So, 
what gear sets do I want to chase? What things do I want to perk and what things do I want to do? I don't know. I, you know, like like I said, the I, I, I would figure that out, I think, because my play style would be, would be sort of forming itself as I played. Instead, what you're kind of telling me is you got to play the whole game with boring boring or weak abilities that are barely ever present and then you kind of get there eventually and it's like man oh man I'd rather have my playstyle shaped by their presence and their power and then I make them better in the end game so I feel like I can really land on my style of play uh, any guitar how do you feel about whether or not global events should return in Div 2 I felt that those uh, getting classified gear was so easy in Div 1 and it made playing when one wasn't running felt pointless yeah, see, I don't know about the presence of this and how it affected you in this way, but I do know that whenever you do global events, people really get excited, and I don't think they're going to move away from doing global events again. Um, it's a really, really nice way to add, you know, add to the game, keep things lively, keep things varied. I Just because you feel like the game feels boring afterwards, I don't know if that's a good enough reason for them to not do something that's fun. I mean, the, the logic of your argument is global events were so fun that it made the rest of the game seem boring. So you're basically saying, hey, you guys did a really fun thing. Please don't do it again. Like, that, to me, seems kind of backwards. Glory, what are your thoughts on the movement changes in Division 2? Not being able to strafe. Also, the change with medkits being only useful when you're stationary uh, and not instant on us anymore. Making the game a little bit more passive than, D, than Div 1 was. Well, yeah, the change on healing was, I think, a good one, though. I mean, I, I don't know the some of the things you know people were able to pull off was kind of ludicrous, in in the last game. As far as not being able to strafe, I don't know what you mean. I mean, I, I, I was literally my character was just strafing just there. I was able, I was able to sidestep. Um. So, uh, did, 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 what else did you ask about? Yeah, I don't, I, the only thing I didn't like is there should be a cooldown on the rolling, but not so fast. Like right now, you roll, and when you try and roll again, there's like a there's like a stutter step, and I think that's really really silly. Um, it you know two maybe three rolls before taking that away, I think would be good. You know, you roll, 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 and then it enters into a cooldown, like some type of a stamina cooldown. A lot of the skill gap is understanding the game's mechanics and systems and how they complement each other. Understanding that this talent or ability complements my damage from this gun and that this perks of my gun procs when I do this makes the other thing stronger. Right, right, right. Obviously, there's a there's a there's a learning curve in the game, but when I think from the the aspect of like accessibility and fun factor, I think a new game like you get in, it should just be dude, this is fun. These abilities are strong. I'm feeling awesome. Not, well, I guess I have to do my homework because everything feels like garbage. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, I'm being a little bit, like, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think that could be a conclusion that people come to. Like, I don't want to do homework and study all this stuff, dude. I guess my my gear is going to be bad until I learn all that, or I'm not going to feel very strong. Now, I think that's a good endgame reward, though. Maximizing, getting the right things, getting the right builds. But the early game, again, should just be so accessible and fun, and the abilities, you make the abilities more universally effective and nice, and then you drill down as you level, and you and you get for more, you know, more specific builds as you level. Uh, Geld says, 
I tried flanking the enemies in Division 2, and this regularly spawned more enemies were flanking... Uh, and this regularly spawned more enemies that were flanking me and took me uh, down out of cover. You think Division 2 punishes for you tr- for trying to s- flank? I It could have been server-side, but I definitely feel like this game... Division 1 struggled with this sometimes, too. There's definitely times where they struggle to spawn the enemies. Sometimes they just appear, and that could be, again, server-side could have been causing that. Um, you know, we definitely had an issue where I went to go do something, and then all of a sudden I literally had guys immediately shooting me in the back that just two seconds ago were not there. They appeared out of thin air, and I got pretty grumpy. I was like, dude, they did that in Division 1. You know, please don't do that here. Um, and the very next time I went and ran the content, they weren't there. They didn't appear behind me. Our theory was that maybe there was the end of a public event in the area or something, or there's the beginning of a public event and suddenly it spawned enemies for that event and they ran up on me. I don't know. That happened a lot in Division 1. I did not like that. I did not like running down the street, going to do something, and all of a sudden guys behind me are like, hey, get them. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I just ran past that area. There's nobody over there. Uh, Sir, Sir, Suriva says, uh, during your time on the beta, did you feel like you needed to communicate like an anthem when playing the stronghold on hard? No, but I think if, if you really ramp up this game, you might have to communicate. Things could get pretty tanky. Things could get pretty tough. But this, what we played on normal, no, I, I didn't need to communicate. Dragon Tat. Has the DZ changed to reduce the amount of trolling that plagued Div 1? It seems like uh, it's it's the same it's the same oh it's the same Sea of Thieves issue. Well, I mean I, I don't know if it's the same as Sea of Thieves because in Sea of Thieves you're working you can be working on a PVE assignment or a quest or whatever and then someone can come and steal all your stuff. In this game you're going into the dark zone. You know what you're signing up for. In Sea of Thieves, you're literally just floating, and I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. Like in Sea of Thieves, it's like you're doing PVE content, and someone can come and ruin that for you. And in and in Division, and in Division, you're either doing PVE. Or you're doing PvP. Like, I, you don't go into the dark zone. Now, there's PvE things to do in the dark zone, I'm sure, right? There's always the things you could do to try to earn. But you know what you're signing up for when you go in there. Sea of Thieves, it's like anytime you play Sea of Thieves, regardless of if you want to or not, there's the chance for PvP. You don't have to do that in, in Division. In Division... You can just run around the city and the maps and the missions and the side missions and the, you know, check, you know, ch- take the world tiers up and all of that. And you can go at it and I don't have to worry about anybody ruining my day, right? Three out of four DZs is basically just PVE now with optional PVP that you have to opt into. Well, yeah, and, and then, and if I don't, if I, if I have to opt into the DZ the PvP aspect of it, if I have to opt into the PvP, that again is not like Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves, when someone comes up on you, I mean, I guess you could try to use proximity chat to be like, please leave me alone, but the average person that's hunting down folks to steal their loot is probably not going to listen to you. Like, they're just going to take your stuff. So if I have to opt into the PvP 
that's actually really exciting too. I could be like, no, nah, I'm just here to work on this stuff. I, I don't want to do the PvP aspect of it. Um, you know, they've if they've it sounds like they may have learned good lessons from De- Division One's uh, Dark Zone. Um, you know, so great questions, guys. Thirty questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it there because I don't want to force the issue. Um, I feel like we are. Uh, we're, we're winding down on questions and that's totally fine. Thank you for the people who did submit the questions. There, some of these questions were really, really good. Uh, and if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, come in live right now. I'm probably live. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. If I'm not live, click the follow button. As always, if you like my content, you can share it with other people uh, and you can click the like button and do all those things. If you're here live right now, I'm not shutting down. But if you're listening in the other locations, I greatly appreciate that. Please like, share, and subscribe.